iterating versus quitterating. Hi, I'm Neil Headley. Welcome to The Voice in My Head for Monday, April 4th, 2022. Tons of things separate the amateurs from the professionals. Used to be the definition simply had a single criterion. If you get paid, you're a professional. But to me, one of the most obvious signs of whether someone is a pro is their willingness to pivot and iterate after a less than spectacular result. Or maybe that's the difference between talent and skill. Part of the chess match that is Major League Baseball involves whether or not the starting pitcher goes deep into a game. Some will tell you that if your starter has a no-hitter going, by the seventh inning, the hitters are seeing that pitcher for the third time. And what are the chances that the pitcher has any surprises left up his sleeve at all? So sometimes, even when things are going well for a pitcher, a manager will pull them out in that third time through the batting order because the assumption is that a professional hitter has learned things from their previous failures. There's a pretty good chance that the result's going to be different next time. But even the best of Major League Baseball players still fail at the plate around 60 or 70% of the time. Actors will tell you that they get rejected from about 90% of the roles they audition for. Television networks initially rejected pilot episodes for shows like Star Trek, Big Bang Theory, The Sopranos, and yes, even Breaking Bad. The stories are legion, too, about how the Beatles, Ed Sheeran, Elvis, Madonna, Kanye West, pretty much everybody else in music, was rejected by countless record labels before they finally found a home. Of course, there's another option. I wrote a book several years ago where I referred to Claude Hopkins as a member of a holy trinity of copywriters. Hopkins was a huge believer in the effectiveness of free samples. In his 1927 work, My Life in Advertising, Hopkins said, a good article is its own best salesman. Also said, it is uphill work to sell goods in print or in person without samples. Another quote, the hardest struggle of my life has been to educate advertisers in the use of samples or to trials of some kind. They wouldn't think of sending out a salesman without samples, he said, but they will spend fortunes on advertising to urge people to buy without seeing or testing. Now, no one has ever disputed the wisdom of Claude Hopkins. So several years ago, when I was working with a radio station that was struggling to get attention in a very saturated market, I suggested the idea of giving out free samples. Yeah, free samples of a radio station. See, this was my theory. For virtually no cost, we could send the daytime DJs, including the morning and the afternoon drive shows, out to various high-traffic areas and just have the radio station blaring on speakers, featuring only the very biggest hits on our playlist, and have every possible version of the station's logo visible to passers-by. So, rather than do what most stations do, which is buy expensive ads on billboards or TV or the side of a bus that had a photo of a musician, no, no, we'd be out there for free, playing the greatest music of all time, and hopefully, if you looked up for just a second to see where that great song was coming from, you'd see the logo. You'd make a mental note of it. So we were literally handing out free samples of the station to everybody that walked by. As a bonus, if you had a second to stop and chat, well, you'd be talking to the DJs who play the music and were the ultimate ambassadors for the radio station. It was quite possibly the highest quality, most cost-effective marketing that the radio station had ever done. After all, it cost us nothing. So our tech wizard, 
figures out a way for us to use a mobile internet connection that gives us studio quality audio back to the radio station so that if you weren't on site with us, we still sounded great and the quality on-air product didn't suffer at all. Until, that is, the trains came in. Yeah, we had set up for the first of these broadcasts at the very busiest possible place in the city of Toronto during the morning rush, Union Station. It's right downtown in the heart of the business district, and it's basically Toronto's version of Grand Central Station, the transportation hub for the fourth largest city in North America. And what did everyone do when they got off the train? Check their phones. Thousands of people walking past our broadcast location, checking their phones checking their phones and chewing through our bandwidth. The bandwidth we were depending on for the morning show to be on the air. One of the many other things that Claude Hopkins drove home as a standard practice in the advertising world was the idea of testing. And in Hopkins' world of direct marketing, everything was being tested in every ad. The size of the type, the number of words, specific words and calls to action, the position of a coupon on the page, everything. Hopkins would practically thrive on failure because failure allowed him to improve the next iteration by clearly identifying what things worked, knowing for certain which things didn't, and then pivoting accordingly. Here's the thing, though. The process of iteration isn't easy. Considerable skill, wisdom, and hard work involved in identifying the elements that aren't serving you. It takes imagination and creativity to come up with the elements that will make the next iteration more effective. And it takes buy-in from every stakeholder and a commitment to do the work necessary to succeed. Because it's surprising how quickly an enterprise like that can become a house of cards once you realize that not everyone on the roster is a true professional. Sometimes you don't come to that realization until your best hitter throws his bat in the dugout and asks the manager to take him out of the lineup. Or your actor friend sells their stuff and moves back to run the family farm in Nebraska. You know, your drummer sells his kit. Or your radio station decides that the whole free samples thing was actually a terrible idea. You know, there's iterating and there's quitterating. When you're iterating, you look at what you got wrong, what you could have done better what you'll do to improve. And then you get down to work, the hard work of being a professional and rising to the challenges, or maybe even the opportunities that failure provides. You go to the locker room, you watch video, see if you and your coach can spot where you're falling short and come up with a plan to fix it. When you're quitterating, you don't have to do any of that. You get to be a victim and it's somebody else's fault. You struck out because the pitcher's cheating. You got thrown out at second base because the other team is stealing signs. You're not hitting because the idiot manager has you in the wrong spot in the batting order. Nah, you just take your bat and your ball and you go home. I mean, you can ride the bench with the other amateurs all you want. I'm going to keep swinging for the fences. That puts the wraps on episode 11 of The Voice in My Head. Listen, if anything that I just said would inspire you if we were sitting down for a meeting sometime to reach over and pay for the coffee, well, you can buy me a virtual coffee to say thanks right there on the interwebs. You just go to buymeacoffee.com slash NOP. And NOP is spelled K-N-O-P-P. You can also find a transcript of this episode and a bunch of other goodies at nopstudios.com. And listen, if this or any of the other episodes in the series have you thinking, hey, you know... This guy might know what he's talking about. 
well, drop me a note. Maybe there's something we can do to help. My email address is neil, N-E-I-L, at knopstudios.com. Till next time, thanks for listening to The Voice in My Head. I'm Neil Headley.